Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David and Zach. How are you guys doing? I'm going to leave that one up to uh, Mike to respond to. <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it is Monday, in which I knew it was Monday today. So that's a that's an increase in how I'm feeling. I also am made it to round three in single eliminations in Vader League. So I'm feeling good. Yeah. Congrats on that. So that is the round of 16. Yeah. 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 I, I am also. I got to... I got to play either Luke Cook or Jace, um, whoever wins that game, both of whom are running an identical Ruxstar <laughs> list. <laughs> I guess you know what list you're going to play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. We'll talk about those games, Mike and my uh, games later. Um, did you guys see the the gameplay previews for that Squadrons video game? I know this yes. is not Legion related, but... Are you really asking me this question, Kyle? <laughs> You're you're asking the guy who put it into Discord chat and like was like hype 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 like twenty times in a row. I mean, I know that you saw the previews. It's it's a rhetorical device to get us to talk about squadrons. Okay, I just, I, I just <laughs> wanted to clarify your statement. Yes, I am pumped. Okay, I also saw it. I'm I'm not like a I'm not like a huge like flight game guy, but man, it looked freaking awesome. I mean, it's. So it looks kind of like Overwatch, but Star Wars with Starfighters. Right? Overwatch, right? Oh, okay. I mean, you guys have all played like Rogue Squadron, right? No. No. I, I played X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Oh, my God. All right. Well, well, David, at least you're, you're one step closer to victory. But <laughs> Okay. Guys, what are you doing here? <laughs> we are all Star Wars nerds, and you guys haven't played Rogue Squadron. You guys can go, I'm pretty sure, on Steam or Origin and download Rogue Squadron for like $5, and it is excellent. Um, but yeah, this is like the successor to Rogue Squadron. And uh, I, the, you know, I saw the original video trailer, and I was like, okay, I want to get excited for this, but I want to see the gameplay. And then they came out with the gameplay, and I was like, all right, we can do this. We can do this. I've got a VR headset. I'm going to have to buy a new throttle and joystick, I think. Hopefully it's throttle and joystick capable. I don't know if you guys ever played a game with like the uh, a throttle and joystick before, but I used to play a game called Falcon 4.0, which is where you like flew F-16s in uh, the Korean War, and it was nice. sick. Um it, it was very realistic. I'm pretty sure the military used it to like train their pilots. Um, but anyways, ever since like I've played with a joystick and a throttle, I really want to play with it again. And this looks like a game that is capable of that. So, yeah, if it doesn't, if it if it only has like controller support and not um, joystick and throttle support, I'll be extremely disappointed. That's actually one of the reasons I didn't dive into the EA Battlefront games right away was because I it didn't have that support available for yeah. the space portions of the game. Um, but this game is all about the squadrons. I mean, they can't, they can't possibly release this game without support for flight stick. No way. We gotta I would, have I would that. think, you know, um, 
I, I think a lot of people are going to be clamoring for it. And the fact that you can like put on a VR headset, like have like the real tools in front of you and like look around in the cockpit, like that's like total immersion. It's about um, totals, maybe not the right word, but it's very close to it. That might be the only way I could play it. Honestly, I, um, I try to fly the ships in battlefront two when I, I played it very briefly. And when I say I'm terrible at it, I'm like, I'm borderline. I, I put it on. I like go out there Let's say I'm in like an X-Wing. I take a couple shots. Then I get blasted off the table like 10 times in a row. And I'm like, all right, we're going back to the normal game, boys. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. So maybe a joy, maybe maybe with uh, the contraptions you're talking about, because I'm not going to lie, uh, I thought I was like a video gamer, but I, I, I'm so out of sync now. Um, but the VR and maybe if I can like actually like fly uh, rather than use a controller, I might have better uh, handle on the situation. Um Otherwise, it might look like Baby Yoda took over uh, the Mandalorian ship. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I bet he could fly the he could fly the Razor Crest very very well. I'm just, oh, I'm just willing to say. Um, with that being said, in your defense, Zach, the starship stuff in Battlefront Two sucks. So, all right, I feel better uh, now. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, so the yeah. issue is that it's built on the Battlefield engine. I'm pretty sure and flying stuff in battlefield outside of helicopters has never been good i'm awful at those too yeah like i would just like i was such a such an infantry guy in in battlefield so if anytime someone's like oh let's hop in the chopper i'm just like i'm good fam i don't don't want i don't want any piece of this chopper plane none of it the, the last like aircraft game i played was war thunder which was you know again you fly with a mouse and keyboard it just you know people are using like flight six in, because they do the maneuvers that completely slice and dice you. Like there's no comparison, I think, between the kind of stuff you can pull off with a flight stick and a throttle versus the mouse and keyboard. I'm willing to say. So like, it, why not? Why not come to the? Why not? Why not get the right tool for the job and just have the flight stick and throttle? Totally. Um, so, <clears throat> part of me thinks we should get on topic. However, I want to introduce. Since we're talking about flight sims, um, have you guys ever heard of Descent Free Space? Yes. No. So Descent Free Space is, in my opinion, the best flight sim of all time. It is set like 200 years in the future, um, where like the Earth is now known as like the Galactic Terran Alliance. And um, you're 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 just like a, a pilot on like a star destroyer essentially, and it's it's totally narratively driven. Um, it, it it is amazing if you're into like flying stuff generally. It it is the the best descent free space and descent free space two are two of the most amazing games I have ever played. Highly recommend. They actually hold up pretty well due to time both of these games i think were released in like early 2000s like i think descent free space 2 might have been like 2003 or something Um, i looked it up on wikipedia 2001 yeah i I was trying to figure out if it was from the same studio that did the original descent game whether they had any relationship but yeah it's in the same universe right because um i remember playing the original descent which was you know you fly through a cavern and you fight you know ai monsters and things like that but I didn't know they had like a, a, a space, like an interstellar war version of that game. 
yeah it's it is excellent it is the most immersive flight sim i've ever played so highly recommend check it out it's probably i think it's like five bucks on steam and it's even pretty good with just a keyboard yeah but actually, it is it's even it's even earlier compatible. it's 1998 that? <laughs> that's how early yeah. it was but like honestly the graphics hold up really well and it's got this like whole modding community behind it that has like completely reskinned the game. Like I'm sure everybody that's listening to this podcast is super into Star Wars, but they've reskinned um, this game. There's a version of it called Beyond the Red Line, and they've reskinned the whole thing into Battlestar Galactica. And nice. you can like fly Vipers in with like real physics, or you could just download um, Tie Fighter on DOSBox. <laughs> <laughs> and play that too yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't want to render your prey man because that sounds super fun but i i i really think there's no nothing is going to be you know tie fighter and x-wing rebel alliance i promise you buy this game i will buy it for you and you will change your mind okay I, um, and absolutely. before Kyle gets us back on track, which I'm sure he's dying to do, uh, the one thing I did notice in that trailer is that Hera, I believe, is in it, which is uh, cool to see her continue her, uh, her, you know. I, sh- I don't up. think that was Hera. I oh, think that come was, on, you don't think so? I think I think you're you are profiling. Ah, oh, <laughs> come it, on. Was it Hera in an X-wing or Hera in an A-wing? Because she's in both. Well, in the, she's in the standing. Show. She's standing by a table. And oh. it's hard to tell if it's her or not. You just kind of assume that's her because she's a pilot in the Alliance, standing by a table, doing some general stuff. Um, but you know what, Mike's 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 saying it. You know, I'm 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 you know I'm going for the Twilight profile, and so we're gonna we're gonna go back onto topic here. So what do we got for housekeeping this week, Kyle? <laughs> well, we got three by three mats on pre-order. Um, we have actual games in stock. So check those out. Uh, not Star Wars games, unfortunately, but other stuff. And um, uh, we also got hobby items in stock. You need some flock or something, you know, you can you can buy it at thefifthtrooper.com. Um, also, you should be, if you ordered some scoundrels tokens, you should be getting those soon-ish this week, somewhere in there. I've already seen some pictures people have posted of getting them. So um, yeah, I think that's it for housekeeping. Did I miss anything? No, I think no, that I think was so. mostly it. Um, you know, I just would like to, on our store, we've got Bolt Action, Blood Red Skies, Cruel Seas, Oak and Iron, and the Elder Scrolls, just to be specific. There you go. Specificity <laughs> uh, is good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're interested in any of those things, please check it out. You know, I know a lot of stores are probably um down for the count at the moment if you need stuff we'll get it shipped out to you we've been pretty good with shipping i think generally over the past couple months so yep um, please support us we appreciate it and uh yeah yep all right so the news drop sweet welcome to in the news so i saw some photos of Cad Bane and Padme, like in the flesh, in the plastic, rather, um, from Europe somewhere. Is it, is it like Poland? Is that where they've randomly been released? Do you guys know anything specific about this? 
I don't know anything about it. But what I do know is that I can't even get my hands on Cassian. So... Yeah, same here. I've been I can't get Cassian and K2S. I've been dying to paint them. Oh geez, I didn't know that. Um <laughs> I have Cassian. Sorry guys. Um, but yeah, I believe um Poland, uh I think Evan was the first person to kind of tell us. I think he knew somebody over there that um said Poland was getting them in. And then voila, they started popping up on the Facebook and the Discord. Um actually, I think um Killian, uh, Killian Jung, that had a couple of posts on the um, blog, um, actually got it. So that means Germany must have it as well, because I'm pretty sure he's uh, based in Germany. So um, Europe's getting them quite some early, you know, quite earlier, about a month early, uh, give or take. Yeah, I guess we're all just gonna have to move to, you know, Europe. We gotta fast track the Legion, or we're gonna have to set up like Fifth Trooper Light over there so that they can like ship us stuff. Well, what's funny is people were like, you know, I can I can buy you one in a store and then ship it to you in the U.S. And there were responses be like, oh, that, that'd be great. How long does that take? And they're like, ah, oh, about two months. <laughs> you know what we need is a, is a fifth trooper monorail at high speed from uh, Jay's Jay's house to uh, whatever store gets the earliest shipment for everything. And we're just going to zoom over there and, and uh, <laughs> get what we can. Well. I'm pretty much convinced at this point that we can pitch Jay anything and he'll try to do it. So why don't we, why, why don't we just tell him to do that and see what happens? High speed monorail. Let's just ring up Elon Musk. I'm sure that I'm sure he'll be on that. Yep. Get the boring company involved. Yeah. Right. Oh, man, Jay and Elon in a, in a meeting together. That'd be something to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, so I think the TLDR there is some people have them, which means that uh, soon ish, the rest of us will. That's the assumption, anyway. They've they've been officially announced for for July, the July release. So sometime in the next month, we'll get them. Um, Arcs and BXs have a have a date on on the uh, FFG website for August. Yeah, I mean that's cool and all, but um, I'm have not uh my trust in the fantasy flight games dates on the website has never been high and continues to be that way yeah i mean they started in july for reference so they're already pushed back to august um i mean i'm assuming this this is just gonna we're gonna see this happen to a lot of product i think i mean this is good news right you know (laughs) we won't have to listen to people complain about arc strike teams until at least august (laughs) I mean, isn't the running joke that like the FFG boat has like a green stop maneuver or something? If you've ever played X Wing, it means it can just hold in place for multiple turns. Like an X Wing, you're not supposed to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's kind I of mean, a running joke. I do know that, uh, and I don't know which release this was, but there was like an entire shipping container that had like Brazil's Legion stuff on it, and it literally fell off the boat. And then, <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. And, and South American listeners, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Brazil, but there was like a South American country that literally didn't have any Legion stuff for three months because their container actually fell off a boat. Oh, wow. <laughs> Seems like something out of an Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> the thing about that is that like, I bet you that happens way more often than you think. Yeah, that's probably fair. And we just never hear about it or like even care about it. So you just yeah, like, I mean... don't even think about it. 
I bet you there are hundreds, if not thousands, of cargo containers like sitting at the bottom of the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans, just like chilling there. So here's the plan: we we get an expedition together and we go look for the the <laughs> the minis that were lost at sea, like buried treasure. You oh, think they're waterproof? Well, uh, unlikely, but we're gonna go <laughs> we're gonna go anyway, and we're gonna make a reality TV show out of it. Uh, I thought so you're gonna you, go the other direction on that and say you wanted to go find the uh, one where the arcs are and blow it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> if they have arc troopers on board, we'll just uh, we'll dynamite their suckers. Sink that the ship. bottom of the ocean is not enough. <laughs> the real question here is: I know the old plastic could, but can the new sprues hold up to pressure like a mile under the ocean? There's only one way to find out. (laughs) Science! (laughs) Completely irrelevant question, (laughs) because there'd be no way to retrieve them. Stop derailing me with facts. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that was was a lovely news section. Uh, How about we... So we do actually have a Legion topic today. Um, That Legion topic we will hit right after our... our, It's a 101 Legion topic. There we go. It's time for Legion 101. Class is in session. All right, so actually Zach's going to gonna launch into this one. Uh, I just want to note that we had two drops today, and Kyle didn't mess any of those up. He let the drops go through. Um, <laughs> <laughs> two for two. Cued them up. Cued them up. Um, so, PR. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so normally Kyle's steering the ship, but uh, I'm taking it over because we're talking about droids, and uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I have never played droids and I don't know how to talk about them. So um, we're going to go over some uh, droids 101. Um, you know, as much as we can, uh, we're going to try to avoid some unreleased units uh, that we're not sure about. Um, and obviously the first topic that we're going to hit is the most important one, which is uh, the expensive commanders, Dooku versus Grievous. Um You know, it's been quite a discussion since droids dropped about how they only have these two you know, commanders and they're kind of anchored to them. And um, I think it's a good discussion just, you know, to see what we think about both uh, units here, you know, uh, how they play and function. And, you know, I've seen Dooku lists and Grievous lists both be successful. So I think they're both strong units. Um, So what do you guys think? So I went through this. uh, Let me just walk you briefly through my waffling process before (laughs) Invader League single Elam because it was literally this choice. Um, I mean, the short version is that it comes down to play style. Dooku is a defensive commander and Grievous is an offensive one, right? Like Grievous can, Grievous can get in there and make stuff happen. He can, he can force a situation. Um, Dooku is much better when you force your opponent to come into his threat area because he's he's not as fast or as mobile as Duke, as uh, Grievous. Um, so the big the big differences, right? Uh, advantages Grievous has over Duku. He's cheaper. Um, he's got more health. Uh, he has native relentless, and he has native scale. Those are those are the primary Grievous advantages. Um, Duku over Grievous, uh, he has force powers. Not insignificant. Um, he has cunning, also not insignificant. His command cards are, in my opinion, significantly better, um, and he has more reliable damage on his attacks. So 
those those are as i see them oh and better courage um those are the those are the differences as i see them what do you guys think i can't disagree with any of those points um they are factual um i just think that force powers are probably preferable um i've i've sort of been on this this you know, ever since i've played dooku for the first time and every every time i see him play i'm just kind of on this rant that i really think he's you know, number one, if not number two, in terms of the force user hierarchy, he is very expensive, but he is also defensive because he doesn't have the the free attack keywords like Grievous does. Um, I just think that, I, man, I just really, really like the Dooku's, Dooku's cards. I think they're all, they're just really all-stars. Like they all do something very impactful. Um, and under the right conditions, the one pip and the two pip are potentially game winning. Um, you know, whether you brought saber throw to do the one pip combo or not, uh, and plus the ability to strip tokens at the pivotal juncture is, you know, it's, it's almost a win condition when your opponent's bringing another similarly powerful force user. I mean, that's true to form, right? Like Dooku is, you know, he's this arch duelist. Right, and he's, you're not—he's not supposed to lose one-on-one battles with Jedi. That's kind of his his shtick, you know. And, and Grievous, you know, he has the Jedi Hunter keyword. He can do a lot of damage to Jedi, but similarly, he takes a lot of damage in return since he doesn't have access to Force reflexes. I think only one of his cards gives him a dodge, and so he doesn't really have block all the time. And so he is quite a bit more vulnerable. And of course, he's also cowardly. So, you know, he's susceptible to Jedi mind trick. Um, I just think Dooku is, I, I just really prefer Dooku. I think Dooku's, you know, he's got the higher courage value. Uh, he's got cunning, which is super handy. There are some situations where you don't want cunning, but you can just play standing orders and use your uplink and be completely fine. If you actually want to lose priority, you can just flex that way instead. And it, it costs you virtually nothing, just one uplink. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think if I think if like I knew that I was going to be dealing with some kind of aggressive melee threat like Tauntauns or Luke or another Force user or something like that, I would bring Dooku. I think in almost any other situation, I'd probably still just want Grievous. Um, the 30 point difference is not insignificant. That's essentially like an extra B1 heavy weapon. Um, like if 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 I was if I was picking a CA a separatist list against like a gun line like a, a clone gun line I think I would run Grievous, um, just because I mean if if they can if if they can get in there like Dooku can do way more damage right between Force Choke and his you know more reliable melee attack um, and fear surprise intimidation you know it's. So it's it's worth highlighting like a important difference between fear, surprise, intimidation, and um, trained in your Jedi arts because they're, they're they're both kind of like dive quote unquote dive cards. Um, training your Jedi arts is mostly for the suppression because none of his ranged attacks on that turn have pierce. Um, I mean, obviously the normal one you can make with his gun does, but like you're not gonna if you dive into a clone ball with that, you're not gonna kill a lot of things or at least any more things than you normally would just diving in there with his two lightsabers. Um, whereas Grievous with Fear Surprise, I'm sorry, Dooku with Fear Surprise Intimidation, you know, you've, you've got two attacks, one melee, one ranged, both of which have Pierce, and then you also have Force Choke. 
Um, so you're going to do more damage to like a clone ball with that card and just in general with Dooku once you're in there. Um, but I think Grievous gets in there a lot more easily. And I think, you know, the 30 points there is is not insignificant in like a slugfest. Yeah, I mean, well, I was going to say as someone that plays clones, when I look across the table and I see Dooku, I don't like it. And when I see Grievous, I can kind of say uh, I can plan for it. But I kind of say that as an Obi-Wan player, right? I don't I, like I have to get kind of close to Duke at some point, And I know that he has ways to kind of manage me more than I can manage him. Um, and that kind of control on a commander, albeit, you know, an extra 30 points is kind of important to have, you know. As a clone player, neither of your commanders scare me. <laughs> because you have Overwatch? Because they have 20 <laughs> aim tokens? <laughs> um... But yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, but I do think that um, I mean, I lean, I lean towards Dooku. Um, I I think Grievous has a lot of holes in his kit. I think his two pip and his three pip command cards might as well be blank most of the time. Um, hang on, hang on. The Supreme Commander is is an exception. I think Supreme Commander is really good. Supreme Commander is grossly underrated. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. The only thing you want to really... I, I've i seen it be used to, like, protect your units from, like, someone killing a unit leader or something. But I... I just... I don't think it's very good. Like, compared to Dooku's 2-pip, I don't think it's close. Oh, sure. But I think, like... I mean, it's 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 got it's a great card for its own purposes. Like you, you use it on your essentially on the turn, you know, when you're entering that range three slugfest to kind of spread the damage around. You can protect like if you've got BX droids, you can protect those. You can protect Grievous himself, right? It's kind of a reactive like setup setup card. Um, he gets a bunch of free surges from it. It's also great, you know. Grievous is not as good as Dooku in the Force user duel. But if you're getting dived by a force user, you can guardian Grievous and melee with B1s. So you can eat like a Son of Skywalker or something like that with um, Supreme Commander. I mean, like, because you just throw B1s in front of it, right? Like Luke kills like six B1s. Okay. You know? Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I sort of feel like if you, you know, you get a son of skywalker and like you kill i mean if, if you kill six b1s and then put some wounds on grievous and then like take a dodge token i think that's fine so that noise in the background was general grievous leaving the battlefield so which brings me to my next point is if you're kidding them out and uh grievous is ready to leave, leave the battlefield because of suppression uh how are you kidding them out like i've seen a lot of people build grievous with strict orders and endurance or sometimes he'll have aggressive tactics he has wait actually he has two command slots correct he does yes so sometimes he'll bring both um and then obviously dooku you pretty much you're stapling push choke and then the the long age long debate of reflexes versus force uh saber throw if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. so what do you think i'm in uh saber throw is just a magical christmas land camp but I know that Kyle loves Saber Throw, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that if they were the same cost, it would be um, not a conversation. But Saber Throw is five points cheaper 
than reflexes and um uh you know five points is hard to come by these days so um i also I, just uh, want to say reflexes real quick kyle reflexes is also uniquely good on dooku because he's generally going first and so you'll almost always have value from reflexing yeah certainly in the later turns when you're playing those you know one and one and two pips um i find that in the early turns it's not as useful because he's he's not going first and then you also have you know a bridge turn where you can play um his three pip and get the free dodge token but yeah you definitely get some mileage out of it especially on your fierce surprise intimidation turn um but yeah i like the flex that saber thor gives you um it's five points cheaper uh if they were the same cost i would take reflexes 10 times out of 10 but they're not so um yeah and usually i'd rather have five points extra bid like I don't, I don't love reflexes that much more than saber throw to to pay the extra five for it. That's just my personal preference, though. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm in the saber throw camp very firmly because it gives Dooku the ceiling, like a turn of like really high ceiling, and you know gives him Pierce three, and there's just there's a lot of good things you can do with that one giant attack, and you can also last first and deliver the goods, like beyond range four to a target like it's a thing and that that really does put the dive in dive turn are you telling that me way. that pierce three is amazing yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> so why does the only pierce three character in the game not get played david because it he doesn't have a lot of other good keywords that make him really good <laughs> Lack of surge critical uh, might be uh, yeah. Lack there. of surge crit. Uh... Hard hard disagree. On well, that. hang on, hang on. This is this is totally apples to oranges for a couple of reasons. Yes. We're, obviously, we're talking about Vader, and this is a tangent. Um, he Vader only gets Pierce three meaningfully on enough dice in melee. Um, you know, with Dooku, we're talking about it on that fear, surprise, intimidation, quote unquote, nuke turn, which is eight dice. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just saying. I yeah. just was pointing it out. Yeah, I th I think I think the bottom line is that it does give you a way to do like a high burst damage range attack with Dooku, which you know he doesn't have like a true double attack card like Son of Skywalker. Um, if you don't take Saber Throw, you you know it's essentially impossible for him to attack one target with you know both weapons. Um, so like he's he's great at consistent damage but he doesn't have a lot of burst damage unless you do that saber throw um you know lightning fierce surprise intimidation combo so it gives you a way to do that i've had entire games where i don't use saber throw once i've had it games where i use it like three or four times so um yeah it's i view it kind of the same way as like saber throw on jedi luke um it's situational but when in the situations when you need or want it it's really good yep so yeah, and I'm going to use the the Vader discussion to kind of segue into the next point because Vader can't get insulated by like 42 meat bags, also known as B1 battle droids. Um, you know they're so cheap, and that's what kind of makes these expensive commanders and Dooku and Grievous kind of function the way they do because they can be surrounded by such cheap corp units. Um, so for the B1 battle droids, um. I think that's the best, you know, topic of the discussions here is talk about their heavy weapons, the use of uplinks and stuff like that. Um, you know, for someone that doesn't play droids, I, I look at the droid uh, army lined up across from me and I'm just like, all right, how can I take away the quote unquote daisy chain 
and how can I take away their HQ uplinking stuff like that? So now to hear it from the reverse, um, you know, how many uplinks do you use typically, Kyle, to keep that chain alive, and what weapons you know are you typically using? Um, so before we talk about weapons, I do want to talk about the chain because part of playing droids effectively is getting used to like getting in the reflex, um, the muscle memory of of deploying your B ones in a way that that chain is not like truly unbreakable, but close to it. Um, and it does limit your, you know, you can't just, you can't just put your core units spread out wherever you want, like other factions can, um, you're going to be limited in how you can advance. Um, and for me that starts in, you know, we call it turn zero, but I put, uh, deployments in my battle deck that are, um, you know, essentially allow you to fight, from short edge to short edge instead of from long edge to long edge um, or diagonally because I feel like it's much easier in those sorts of deployments to keep your, you know, your your like Civil War style gun line together. Um, and I essentially bid for deployments. That's like the most important thing to me uh, personally. Now, I know that not everybody feels that way. Um, if you're running stats, which we might have time to get to later, um, you know, that might be a little bit of a different calculus, but I like those short edge to short edge deployments because it makes it easier to keep your B1s clumped up together. Um, there's a, if you look in, um, we have a Duke article recently up on the site uh, that talks about, um, you know, essentially like formations with B1s, but I call it basically honeycombing where you overlap. Um, you know, it's important that, uh, that things like coordinate range are measured many to many, which you can, means you can extend it with cohesion. Um, so I like to overlap my B1s as much as possible such that each B1 unit is within range of more than one other B1 unit so that if one of them gets deleted, um, which can happen, uh, that you don't lose your chain. Um, and then as far as the uplinks are concerned, I usually run two just because I like some redundancy. Um, and then, uh, often you have, you know, more than one target at the end of your chain that you want to bounce to if you have like B2s or something like that, um. You know, essentially any droid trooper unit that doesn't have coordinate is is a quote like end of chain unit. Uh, so yeah, I like two uplinks just for the flex there. Yeah, I mean it gives you full full control when you need it, and if something happens and something goes wrong, you can tap it then. Um, there's a lot of different uses for the uplinks, I think. And um, if I ran droids, I probably would run two myself. Uh, you know, the um, the hardest thing I guess is when you do lose a unit or if you have a unit that loses the daisy chain and then you don't lose the full control on a turn you really need it, that can really hurt. So like you said, the honeycombing is super, super important. Um, Now for heavy weapons, those uplinks kind of roll really well into the, I'm not even going to bother trying to name the rocket launcher droid, but (laughs) E60R. There we go. The E60R. So you get some good uh, synergy there. I'm assuming you're running a couple of those or you tend to at least. Um, you know, um, as he walks away from the computer, what do you guys think about the E60Rs and the uplinks uh, and the synergies you get out of that? They're real smooth together. They uh, they need to re- they need to refresh. The HQ uplink needs to refresh. It's just a natural fit to put the two together. Um, a lot of times you see them rolling with two. Uh, the usefulness of low impact weapons, like you know, impact two, impact one weapons, is kind of a topic of debate these days, but um you know i think it's nice to mix that in it's nice to have some like very 
cost-efficient response to enemy armor, especially the light armor. Uh, for example, uh, the ATRT, which is extremely popular these days in Rebel if you're not running Tauntauns. Um, Low-impact weapons like the E60R are also useful, sometimes against the other kind of light armor platforms like the T47, for example. When I say light, I mean it has a, a poor save. And even if it does have cover two, generally it's attached to a dice pool that's large enough to make that impact two meaningful if you're shooting at range three at a T47. So it's not really wasted, even if the T47 has ways now to get cover two. Not as good as critical one, but still useful. That's a good segue because I was just going to bring up the sniper. As someone looking across the table, I actually think the sniper is uh, very good. Um, I know that a lot of lists are using like a one or two of rather than like a crazy six of or something like that. But I feel like they slot in very well with the E60R and the E5C. Um, you know, critical one is really good, especially at range four. Uh, I think obviously that pool gets better when you get to range three because you're tossing a lot more dice and you can kind of get that critical to really hit uh, along with some other stuff. Uh, you know, so I think I think the most interesting to me with the B1 droids is like the smorgasbord that you have with them. Like I feel like all three of the four of the heavy weapons, I'm going to say all, but uh, the radiation gun, a cannon, uh, obviously is not something you see often in competitive uh, obviously, um, but you know you can find ways to work that uh, in in games you know that aren't competitive, of course. But the three of the four are really strong in both casual and competitive games: uh, the E5C, the E5S, and the E60R, uh, which is kind of cool to see. I, I think a lot of the times with you know all of the other factions, you kind of see like the same heavy weapons here and there. Uh, you might see something sprinkled in. So to see three heavy weapons get used often is kind of cool. I mean, I'll just say the radiation gun has a place in skirmish for sure, especially if you're fighting like, you know, one of those big hero units that is so popular in skirmish. Uh, Sabine, for example, uh, Dooku is actually pretty popular in skirmish games because he just is such a huge presence. And especially when you, um, you know, cut the board down to three foot by three foot, it's really hard to escape from him. He, he finds a lot more play as an aggressive uh, piece. But, uh, you know, I think the rag gun has its place in skirmish, but definitely, you know, on an 800 point board, if you're running a gun line, you know, you need you need to be able to hit a range four. Like it's just a thing right now with clones and standby sharing. You have to have ways to hit out past range three. Otherwise, you're just going to get buried. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a difficulty for the for the rad canyon uh, in competitive is that and you know what, even just running droids typically on an 800 point game, right? And, and Kyle can correct me if I'm wrong, is that you actually have to move the droids forward from your line, your daisy chain, and you're putting yourself at risk of possibly losing that daisy chain because you're putting yourself forward to get the radiation cannon to go off. Um, and that's like kind of like a, a risky situation. Yeah, I mean, the, the radiation cannon is an assault weapon and B1s are not assault units. <laughs> <laughs> Fair way to put I'm it. glad you brought that up because I actually think that the biggest problem with the radiation cannon is not necessarily that it's bad, but it's just B2s do that better. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I guess, Kyle, if you have it in front of you, can you give us some raw stats on all these weapons and what we're looking at with droids with numbers here? Yeah, so the... Um, uh... The E5C, which is, you know, the core set, like 
standard quote unquote light machine gun range three three black dice. Um, if you add that to uh, the the B ones pool with their white dice, you're going to average three hits, um, which isn't great. You know, uh, if you compare that to like uh, a Rebel Trooper Z six, you know Z six is three and a half. Um, Stormtroopers DLT, you know, these are like the the old old school corset combos is uh, somewhere in between those two. Um, so it's not great, but it's also only 54 points, you know, and as you lose models, you're shedding white dice, like your, your pool is backloaded with those black dice. Um, so even, you know, when you lose a couple B1s, which is going to happen, they're still going to pack a punch for, you know, you got four models left, you're still throwing three whites and, and three blacks which is pretty good, especially if you have a surge token from aggressive tactics. So, um, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's, you're not going to like blow anybody off the table, but it's for 54 points. It's hard to complain about the sniper rifle. The, um, E five S is a little bit more than that. When you factor in the critical from surge, you're looking at like 3.15 ish hits. Um, and of course it has critical one. So you're slightly more likely to punch through cover. Um, that is two more points that comes in at 56. Uh, I don't think that it's necessarily, um, we won't get into like super detail on the E5 versus the E5S. I don't think it's necessarily like an auto include for two more points. Um, you know, it's not as good with aim tokens. It's not as good with surge tokens because you don't tend to roll multiple surges, uh, that often. Um, so it's, I, I like two of them. I'm running two of them in my, in my, um, eliminations list for invader league just for the range four so that i can strip standbys and stuff um but yeah i think if you want to take the e5s you're doing it for the range four not for you know the perceived better damage because it's not it's not straight better damage um the e6dr has the best dice of all of them because it's red black black so it's you know uh, a quarter hit more than the um the e5c which is pretty good. Uh, it benefits from surge tokens, of course. Um, I uh, will sometimes take two of those on my uplink units because those units tend to recover a lot anyway. You know, David mentioned this already, but um, you know, pretty good against armor. Um, and then the rad gun, uh, two reds. Um, it's actually like identical to uh, statistically the E five C, but of course you got the poison damage on the back end of that. So yeah, little, little stat blurb there. We need like a, we do need a stat of the day drop. Yeah. It, it's kind of crazy to think that, um, battle droids with a heavy weapon are 54 points. I, I know I've seen it and it's just crazy. Cause it's, you know, it's seven bodies, heavy weapon and it's just, it's cool. It's cool. Um, I think that it's great that all, you know, all of these weapons are somewhat viable. Um, you know, I, I kind of hate seeing droids against the table when they just start to swarm you and you don't know what to do. Uh, it happens often, especially when you're playing KP. You're just like, can I kill enough droids so they don't swarm me in the middle? Um, but it's super thematic, you know, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you, and you know, you need to throw dice at them. Like it, if you're if you're fa- we've said this on previous episodes, but if you're facing up against the B1 horde, like you do actually need to kill B1s. It kind of feels like a waste of time, but it's not. Um, like when you when you shoot them, they die. Just you gotta you have to focus on them. Um, but yeah. Anyway, well, I mean, you're on the horns of a dilemma a little bit too because 
uh, I mean, I don't know if we want to segue this far, but like B1s and their cheap wounds are just absolutely punishing versus Pierce weapons, which are extremely popular. And so you also need to think about bringing volume weapons uh, for this sort of thing where it's like, you know, like a flamer or a, even an RT rotary if you're a rebel player. You know, and I mean, I think Empire, Empire versus CIS, it's like the rebel problem that rebels had against Empire writ large. Like, if you end up at range three of a shore gun line with an aim stack and you're a B1 unit, you're feeling pretty not great about the outcome that's coming your way. Chances are. Yeah, and same with same with clones, you know. It's, um, you got to protect your B1s. Cover is really important for them. Dodge tokens are not a waste of time on them. Right, because um, dodge tokens are similar to Wookiees, right? Like Wookiees and Rebel, they only save on a on a block. And dodge tokens, you know, in a similar fashion, will sort of cover their weakness in that regard. Yep. And don't forget, you need four models in cover if you got a seven model unit <laughs> to have cover. <laughs> so, which is very lot. important. It is a lot. Um, you know, there's a concept we don't talk about too much, but like of space. And there's only so much space on a table. And this is like a real problem uh, for droid players. You, you have to really look at a table and plan it in advance about how are you going to use all that cover space because, you know, well, another faction might be able to fit two trooper units behind that barricade. You're only going to be able to fit one, um, depending on how you do it. So you got to be really good with cohesion and, you know, getting cover with cohesion and sort of planning out in advance how you're going to use cover on a table. Uh, because you've got 50 dudes <laughs> instead of 25. Um, and that's, that's, they take up a lot more space. So I'm sure configuring your cohesion when you stack that barricade is also really important. Like you, cause you can totally block yourself if you don't cohere correctly and force your unit out of cover without meaning to. Yep. I've definitely blocked Dooku with B1s. <laughs> like oh, I'll move up with my B1s and I'll be like, oh man, those guys are getting executed worst. after this game for being in the way. <laughs> Um, and I, and I bet it's probably like more of a science for droids to figure out which models to take off the table too. Like you're so used to being like, all right, well, this guy is over here. I can take him off and still have heavy cover, but now you have to like kind of figure out, oh, well, this droid can come off and this droid can come off and I still get this cover rather than this droid and lose the cover and stuff like that. Um, at least I think it could be tricky. Um, you know, but I guess you can get rid of the mass and just stick to B2s, right? You know, there's another option there with the B2s and go to three model units rather than, you know, eight model units or whatever it is. Well, four with a heavy heavy, uh, heavy weapon or could also kick them out with the extra B2 and make it a five-man squad. But at least cohesion is not as crazy, right? Um, so I guess if you're in the middle of a battle on Geonosis, you can just call them up, be like, all right, you Cylon-looking guys, just come on in, blast them for me, and... Uh, Go for it. Um, I feel like I haven't seen B2s quite as often as B1s, which is just probably normal for a second corp uh, other than the <laughs> other than the clones. Um, <laughs> so so what do we think about B2s here, boys? I think it's a shame that they're not taken more. I think they're actually quite good, and people really underestimate the value of Armor 1. It's kind of like having a permanent nimble dodge. And I mean, having it's not like, kind of. Right? I mean, it is. It, it's it a permanent is, nimble right? dodge. It's like, and when you go into heavy cover, you have cover three because yes. you have armor one stacking with cover. Yeah, and they're two health models, which you know helps as well. 
So why don't we see them more? Is it just a matter of cost or is it a matter of keywords? I think it's more a matter of, um, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like droid players, like you don't want to spend your points and your core units really like, I don't know. Like how much is six fully kitted B1s like 300 points ish, give or take. Yeah. After like heavies and uplinks. A little over 300, but yeah. So you've got like 500 points of like Dooku and BX droids and Staps and Droidekas, if you know, whatever. But like if you're taking B2s as your core, um, I think that that kind of eats into that chunk significantly. You're right, Zach. Yeah, I had a glass of whiskey holding up my phone because we're. uh... Because <laughs> we're uh, we're on video and my glass of whiskey is almost empty and it just kind of fell over with the phone, so you guys no longer can see me on video. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because uh, the video actually looked like it was the opposite effect. It looked like you were falling as opposed to the phone falling. Um, it looked like you just kind of like went backwards in your chair out of the floor. Uh, um, I still have my cat-like reflexes. I cut the glass while still staying on microphone, but not staying on camera because the camera fell. Um, but I did get, I did get a little whiskey everywhere. Um, but to the point to your question, Mike, to get back on track is I wonder if we don't see them is because they have the lack of the coordinate keyword, which is very, very important. Uh, that's, which, you know, that's you the biggest reason that. in my yeah. opinion. I hard disagree. I'm not a droid player, but I think y'all need to try to play a few games with B2s like, just take six of them. Just try it. Just go to the back for once. Jeez. Coordinate. Coordinate. Well, A, yes. Go, go play the game that the rest of us are playing for once. <laughs> and then <laughs> A, B, like the A, the like coordinate is a big deal. But like AI triggering on them doesn't really matter. If you're at range, if, if you're in a place where their AI triggers, um, they're at range two and you want to be shooting anyways. Will you miss out on a name token? Sure. They don't really need a name token. I mean, we can go through the stats, but like, yeah, they're very good even when their AI is triggering. Well, what's their base? What's their base heavy? It's at three red. Is that the base heavy? I think so. Yeah, it's so an ATSD like, pool. Three oh red, three gosh. white, three black. Yeah. So yeah. you don't care about AI at all. Right? Well, I mean, you kind of do. Oh, kind of do. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, yes, you, you attack at range two anyway. So if you're triggering AI attack, there's a target at range two, you're shooting it. That's fine. But you might want to shoot a different target. That's not at range two. Um, particularly like, I mean, good players will kind of manipulate AI on, on the opposing side. Like if, if you have a unit of B2s, like say you're running that six B2 thing. You know, you're going to present targets to trigger AI to those six B2s where they can only like see one model or something um and they're gonna have to paste you know they're gonna throw nine dice at that one model where they'd much rather move slightly deeper into your opponent's lines and throw nine dice at a full squad right so i think i think the quote-unquote like ai doesn't matter to them is is often true but um you know if you did something like run six b1s it would definitely like cease to be true very quickly um I like I'm them. I'm definitely not advocating for not 
giving V1's order tip against, just to be clear. Yeah, and the, the second thing is like the face-up orders matter to them because they really want surge tokens, both offensively and defensively. Um, and you can't give them surge tokens from aggressive tactics if they don't have face-up. So um, I actually like B2s also, um, but as a like a one-of, you know, five B1s, one B2. And then they're kind of your like linebacker slash flex assault unit. Um, it's really nice to have, uh, like I ran, you know, a variation of this list. Um, I think we we did, we actually did a scoundrels bat rep, um, me and David, um, like a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. And I basically ran like Grievous, you know, five B1s. Uh, there was a full BX and then also a B2. And just having like three separate threats, you know, in that range two band uh, was really nice. It reminded me of the old um, Luke Leia one fleet lists that were popular in 2019. Reminded me of yep. that a lot. And it yeah. had the same kind of threat profile. Because you'd have Wookiees in one fleet. Well, this is actually just better because you've got a full BX and you've also got a, a B2. that They have slightly better keywords. They throw more dice. They don't pierce, obviously, but the, B1, the BX is pierce, but the B2s are denying cover usually um you know maybe they have their exhaust weapon to do blast or whatever but even if you don't deny cover it's still a crazy strong pool yeah it's it's it's, they hit like a truck once you get them in there that's for sure they're they're a real assault unit they're not like a poser assault unit like fleets fleets because fleets are courage they're courage one and then they have this like janky keyword called ready anyway (laughs) anyway that's another show and ready is an excellent keyword on death troopers mm. just requires free standby tokens exactly yes like it's death really, troopers it, it's really the command card that makes the keyword great for death troopers right um yeah. i mean so back to the point uh of the ai attack and david you brought up the other yeah. uh, heavy weapon which is the b2 ha the b2 hard droid <laughs> Um, being range three, uh, it's a great weapon because of blast and it has cycle and impact too. But the issue of it, of course, is that the AI attack is more likely to trigger with just that weapon, uh, due to range and not having an order, you know, and I could see that being problematic. Um, it seems like great. It's the, first of all, I'm, I'm staring at the art cause I don't know droid names. So I figured I'd bring it up on H on uh, Legion HQ and the art on this card is like phenomenal. Um, so I, I, I kind of think I would play it just because of this card. Uh, but I could see that the, the range three AI attack and you're just like, well, I guess I'm shooting these guys and moving over here, but then I have to cycle before I can really get the actual shot that I want off, uh, which is not the action economy you kind of want, I suppose. Um, so you're probably taking the B2 ACM nine out of 10 times when you're taking the battle droids, I assume. Yeah, I think the HA has its place. Um, generally speaking, you won't be leaving them without an order. And I mean, riddle me this, right? I feel like blast is better than taking an aim token because you oh. guarantee cover denial. I mean, so, you know, if, you, if right, so if you're able to keep an order on, then if you're able to keep an order on and stay in range, recover, shoot becomes a really appealing option. So. You know, it's got its place. Mike Mike is in here throwing lists into our uh, chat room. He's got General Grievous <laughs> with strict orders in the Annihilator. 
which, you know, I just realized we didn't talk about the Annihilator being like a staple on Degrita's, by the way. Earlier. Oh, you never uh, run yeah. him without that thing. <laughs> you never go, leave you, home you, without it. You don't leave home with that, without that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And he's got six B2 uh, droids with the uh, the B2 ACM trooper. And he's got um, some sniper teams that we're assuming some points on there. But um, so he's got this 10 act list. Do you think you could run that, Kyle, and have success with it? Six B2s, General Grievous, some strike, some strike teams, uh, but you can't, you don't have perfect order control and you have to go to the bag for once in your life. How do you feel? I mean, this actually looks pretty interesting. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no ground <laughs> tactics. Ooh. It's trash. It, Flush it. I, I feel confident saying that this list is better than any rebel gun line you could put together. Uh, uh, I don't know if I go that far. I mean, range two, maybe? range two is really limiting. Like, what are you going to do against a clone ball? I mean, you're in range two on turn two. Like, I don't actually think you're missing shooting opportunities. You're just double moving with all of these units. You're going to lose like a squad of B twos, no doubt. But like, the whole point is that you're just shoving six units of B2s with heavies in their face and saying you can't deal with all of this. Yeah, I get the concept. I just, I think that doesn't work as well in practice. Um, like the lack of ag- aggressive tactics is a big deal. B2s, despite armor one, are actually like fairly fragile. You know, they're Wookiees. They're two wound Wookiees when they don't have aggressive tactics. True. Six uh, units of two wound Wookiees. Yeah, but like, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little it's skeptical. A lot of it is a lot of wounds, but like range two on your basically your entire army is just super limiting. I mean, the answer right is like you have to math hammer this and say like, is the sacrifice of range worth whatever efficiencies I'm getting from these dice pools and these health pools? Yeah, right. Totally. I mean, the thing uh, is, even if you lose like, let's say you lose like eight B two models on the turn it takes you to get in there, all from various units, maybe even the same units, like you. St- still have like what 16 of them left like i don't know i i think it's still it's super weird i mean it's a fair point like what unit actually beats this thing one-on-one you know like on a regular basis it's so the the problem i see with this list is that it's the same problem i had when i was back in the day when i was messing around with that sorry about the barbecue flamer list Hmm. like there's only one mode Right. Yeah. Like if you're in a situation where you need to defend and hold the ground, you're you're still going to be operating this list in attack mode. I mean, it's an armor skew, literally. Yeah. It's right. just in a different <laughs> slot. Yeah. Right. That's one way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> just strikes so, me as, as inflexible, personally. Um, yeah, I'm not actually sure how inflexible it is, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, we got we got some more units to talk about here. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I actually think we should push push the tank because um, a we did a whole episode on it, um, but b it's long and interesting. Uh, we could let's. Do you want to just close out with the support choices here? Yeah, sure. Uh, so where are those droidicas? Is the quote that I have here because I feel like I haven't seen them in a while. Um, so why is that? I feel like they maybe they're underutilized, or do you think that they just need a little bit of a points drop, or is it just the fact that they? struggle by not getting orders and not getting use of lta i mean there's a couple different reasons of course and you know not having coordinate like the b2s uh so what do you think on the on those on those droidicas 
I mean, there's there's a couple like just structural, um, just from a competitive standpoint. You know, they're not droid troopers, so not only do they not have coordinate, but you can't coordinate to them from a B one. Um, you know, like you can with the B twos. Uh, so that's you know you got to give them orders the old fashioned way via a command card. Which is doable, right? Like there are there are good, you know, quote unquote core box lists with Grievous, you know, or with Dooku, a bunch of B ones and Droidicas. Um, and they're perfectly fine there. It's just, you know, I think um I don't know. There it's it's just a little bit of an awkward slot, structurally speaking, to to be like a, a quote unquote spammable or cheap vehicle, um, but not a droid trooper. And therefore they don't interact with the coordinate chain. Yeah, but, I sort of go ahead. So, no, go ahead. Well, I was I was gonna say I I think that these guys are just like they feel like they're missing a piece to me. Like speeder bikes were and like heavies and imperials were good because like there are actually decent command cards that go along with them, and I just feel like all the separatist command card availabilities right now, like you don't you don't really want vehicles. Um, I don't know. That's where I'm at. Like, I, I feel like if they had an evasive, yours is two pip is evasive in maneuvers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what's two pip? Yes. It's been a, you get dodge while, tokens and you can cancel crits from dodges. You basically yeah. can maneuver. And then the generic Imperial Heavy, uh, where you can um, f- flip order tokens back into the, yeah. the pool. Pin um, down. I think. If if yeah. like you had those two command cards in a CIS list, I think that Dredekas would be very good. Yeah, I can yeah, it's agree. Just, yeah, the separatist kit is just not really set up to support them. I feel like they should be used more because two courage core is really popular these days, and suppressive guns should also be popular somehow when you combine them with sniper fire. Like you should it should be good to stack, you know, one deck shot and three snipers on one target and have five suppression on that target. Like that should be meaningful, right? It should do something. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think suppressive is the best part of their best part of their card. Uh, you know, it's the only suppressive weapon you can take as, as droids. Um, I actually, I, I like them, uh, other than the fact that they just don't fit in that well with what separatists want to do right now. Um, I think if you want to run them, you do, um, you know, like in the core box days, I would run them with link targeting array. Um, you know, they have two reds and, and four blacks in their dice pool when you got both models, um, which, uh, is great with aim tokens because they're high quality dice and you're going to miss on a couple of them. Um, they also really like surge tokens for the same reason, which is why it's important to get them orders. Um, I will say that uh, you know it's really nice having two models in a vehicle unit like that, and they do explicitly get cover from barricades and things that are the size of barricades. So um, you know, getting covered with them is pretty easy, uh, unlike most other vehicles. So um, you know, treat them like trooper units for the most part in those regards. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're fine. Like if you're, you know, um, obviously BX droids aren't out yet. Um, so if you're trying to fill out nine activations, you're not running like double the fall, which is a Grievous Dooku, a bunch of B1s. Uh, you know, it's perfectly solid to make like a like a Grievous six B1s or, you know, 
one v two in there, and then a couple Droidicas. That's totally fine. I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. Go for it. I was just thinking, like, also, you know, I think the big thing that Droidicas had when they came out was their shielding. Like that was the thing people made a lot of noise about too. Was like we have shields that can recharge. You know, it's one of the first units that actually could recharge its own health pool. Um, but I think that Generator One, which I think is their their you know ability to heal one shield per turn, it it doesn't matter as much as it used to because now you have an abundance of tactical and you have an abundance of aim passing and things like that. And so being able to heal yourself for one isn't meaningful if you're taking, you know, four and five damage past cover or whatever. Um, and, and if you really wanted to do a recharge build, you could take like uplink BXs with shields instead. And then they just get two back when you recover the uplink anyway. So I don't know if it's any good anymore. It, it's great that it can resist Pierce, but Pierce was never the issue. It was big attacks that overwhelmed their shields and focused fire. Yeah, I mean, like, I do think that they're still pretty decent at soaking one attack. Um, totally. Like, once the shields are down, though, like, once that one attack happens, if anything comes in on a follow-up, like, they're just dead. They and hold. I, yeah. Right, and it... They can take the first phase two or our kit, but it's it's the second one that kills them. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, let's compare that even to like an ATRT. Like an ATRT can conceivably take three or four hits from full units and survive. Like clearly there's some randomness that goes into that, but, um, you know, statistically you can just overwhelm a Droideka's health pool with, with large amounts of dice. Um, and to be fair, you can do that with most units, but the Droideka definitely seems built on that premise, and it definitely seems like it folds after the first attack. It, it would be different if, if causing your opponent to shoot the Droideka had value, which I guess it does, although part of me thinks, like, I want to kill this thing anyway, because it's 100 points. It's easier to kill than a B1, in theory, because it's going to get hung out there and shot to death because my opponent's going to be aggressive with it. Um, but it doesn't have the... It doesn't have the staying power, right? I just want to know why, you know, in the films we see Drydeca's like, take on two Force users at once and be, like, legit AF. <laughs> and, like, I... <laughs> My my Kenobi walks up to those dude, these guys and is like, "Okay, you're dead." <laughs> the obvious answer is that shields should work against melee, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Obi Obi Wan and, and Qui Gon see those things roll up and they're like, "All right, we're out of here." Yeah. I'm sorry. I remember what I was trying to say earlier. By the way, so let me let me just circle back to that point. What I was trying to say is it would be useful if shooting the Droidica had some value that wasn't, you know it's like they shoot the droidica so my core don't get suppressed they shoot the droidica so my important units don't get suppressed like if there was a value in that speed bump there then that would make the deca much more palatable but there is no such benefit well i mean it so the benefit of the shields is that it protects the droidica like you don't want people shooting your droidicas because they're 
they're a, a decent, reliable, suppressive damage piece. You'd much rather they be shooting B1s. Um, typically what I do with them to kind of get around that problem a little bit is I run them on like a flank and then I use roll mode the first turn or two to get into a good like side position where once my opponent is in a position to shoot them, they're also dealing with the B1 horde at the same time and or Grievous. Um, so like, you know, in, in that situation, being able to eat one attack is valuable because if your opponent has to allocate two attacks to a Droidica, then they're not allocating two attacks to Grievous or your B1s or whoever. Right. Um, but Am yeah. I wrong in... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Am I wrong in thinking that you can reverse it at speed two in roll mode? No, that's accurate. Okay. So I, I wish people would do that more. Yeah. I mean, it's super common to like, you know, do a last first with Droidicas, right? You, you get in there, take a shot. Um, you know, and last activation of a turn, and then the first activation of a, of a, the next turn, take another shot and back behind some kind of line of sight blocker. Right, you roll mode out of there, and then if you took any shield damage, you regenerate it. And then when you're back up to some comfortable level of health, you do it again. Yep. Um, I, I do think that it's sort of interesting, you know, Kyle, you were talking about them best being used in a flanking position. I think the trouble with that is that the new support option that just that is coming out just does that function way better you know you took my segue right out from underneath me um <laughs> so uh, i was i was gonna bring it in there and say you know to be a flanking unit uh there's something called stat riders that are are not out in the real world but they are in the uh electronic world as we'll put it um so just a reminder text for everyone stat riders are 73 points uh with agile one AI move, coordinate droid trooper and vehicle, cover one, speeder one. They're three health each, uh, two models per, and they roll three black with critical one fixed front, and they move at a speed three. They are repulsor. Um, just to give everybody a reminder, uh, as they are not released. Um, but yeah, you look at the face of it, and they're repulsor. They're speed three. Uh, they have agile. Uh, that is exactly what you like to see in a flank, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, they also have, like, coordinate and stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, that seems really good. Yeah, they're about 27 points cheaper baseline than um, the DECAs. And they, yeah, like you said, they coordinate, which is massive because we've talked about, you know, most of this episode about how important it is for droids and how they coordinate. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that if you look at the... If anyone, if you're following um, Invader League Elims, uh, actually the majority of of separatist lists have stabs in them, at least two stabs. Um, me and a couple others are sort of the weirdos that are actually not running stabs, um, and that's because they're good, right? Like they're uh, you know they're like Imperial speeder bikes, except they can give orders to each other and they have agile. Um, they're a little, you know their save isn't as good, so they're a little bit more fragile when you focus them down, but. Um, yeah, they're super flexible. Uh, they're great flankers. You know, they don't bust up your chain if they're close enough to it. Um, yeah, they're a really solid unit. Well, well, if they're not close, you just bring command control array and you know extend coordinate to range two. Yeah, or actually like long range comms. I think is you know if you've got like a cluster of of three steps, long range comms is perfectly defensible on them. 
you know, give them a, an order the old fashioned way. Um, and then have the other two with, you know, either naked or, or link targeting array. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of different comps upgrades on these things actually, uh, that are all defensible HQ uplink, you know, cause they got that compulsory removed for the extra action so they can afford to like move, recover, shoot, um, kind of a thing. So yeah, it's, um, they're super flex, super flexible. I think they're, I think they're actually the best, like speeder slash flanking unit right now. Um, that's available. Available in the digital world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, when we, yeah, we're talking about TTS, right? Like, which yeah. uses anything that's been spoiled. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, I like them which, a lot. Which I mean, in, in today's day and world, you know, day and age, TTS is kind of our lord and savior. So, well, uh, <laughs> so if you're, so if you're playing, uh, <laughs> all right, maybe not, maybe not. But um, it's the way like, to play. It's the way to play Legion right now. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah, the safest way yeah. to play Legion uh, is the way to put it. Um, so if you're playing TTS, you have the available, you know, the availability to play Stab Riders if you want to. If you're playing the Separatists, as as they do in Invader League. Speaking of Invader League, should we should we super quick talk about some games, or do we want to just leave them till next week? We can we can go through it. I say, right. If we leave until next week, we'll have other games to talk about. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And we'll have a whole other set of games to talk about by then. Yeah. yeah Mike, and I, I think Mike's game was like kind of like what we weren't going to really brush upon him, but Mike's game, we were talking, you know, before the show and uh, we thought it was a good idea to bring it up. Yeah. So um, first off, just to kind of preface this, uh, David, you streamed this game. Yes. So uh, if you want to see the playback, you can go ahead and check out uh, twitch.tv slash Yavinbase. Yep. Um, I imagine it's on your VODs. Um, I think it's actually, I, I imagine it was a good watch. Um, I thought so. Yeah, it was a very yeah. good watch. It was action-packed, like from the beginning to the end. I only caught um, the last half, and it was a super good watch. So Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I don't say that to like, kind of like to my own horn, because I really was not enjoying the game because <laughs> it, I, I was feeling really dirty. like things, things were going like a little bit too, not according to the plan. Um, so, um, I was playing Zyconia, uh, Zyconia is a great rebel player, um, fantastic guy to play with. Um, he was playing triple tons, uh, Leia Chewy. I was playing my super sweet arc trooper list that you can read about on our, website at the fifth trooper.com um and we were playing hostage hostage exchange disarray and i made a very active choice uh, basically this game boiled down to deployment and i made an active choice early on because i didn't know where his tauntauns were going to go and they were all going to get placed after my entire army was on the board that I was basically going to let the my hostage just like run back towards my army, and I was going to focus on trying to blow him off the board. Um, the reason I decided that from the beginning of the game was because we were playing disarray, and the I needed my R two to score in order to win, um, and I couldn't just like my R two had to be part of my army and doing. And, and they had to push together. And that was very important to my deployment. And what ended up happening was my hostage unit died. Um, 
which did not go according to plan. And I kind of had to like deal with some, a situation that I thought I had planned for well, but didn't. Um, Captain Rex ended up bailing me out because Captain Rex is a boss. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, I, I basically got hit with a, a Tauntaun unit on turn one. I was able to take that Clankers, the other Tauntaun unit. And I was put in a stressful position because my hostage was out of, my hostage was on the ground, not claimed on like turn three. Um, because naked rebel troopers killed my phase two squad. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, yeah. And so basically the, that. the dilemma that I had here that I wanted to talk about was how to deal with, and I think I did it poorly this game, anticipating where your opponent's going to put units um, when they're dropping like two to four units after you've deployed your entire army, which was functionally the problem I had this game. And I think I miscalculated. I did not expect Zyconia to basically um, say, here's my Tauntaun units, I'm charging you turn one. Um, he played No Time for Sorrows. I played Take That Clankers. I won the roll-off, so I was able to delete a Tawn unit before it hit me, um, basically. And so, I don't know. I mean, I, I would love your guys' thoughts on how to how to handle that situation. Like, I, I think I did the best I could with the information I had. Um, I think it's really hard on a deployment like Disarray. My number one tell for situations like this is where is their commander? And do the units in question need orders or don't they? Yeah, and and it was a complicated situation because not only did he get to place all the taunts after I did, but they had a combination of HQ uplinks and comms jammers on them. Yeah. So I and and to be quite honest, comms jammer was very good this game. The issue that ended up happening was he comms jammed my hostage. Um and so not only was it kind of in the middle of the board and you know, kind of out there by by themselves, but I couldn't give them an order. They were within range three of Rex. Like that was that was the thing that I could have done, but they were jammed, so I couldn't. Huh, that's interesting. Um, I only got to uh, catch some bits and pieces, and I did catch that bit, but I didn't realize that was the jammer unit because uh, I was kind of doing a million things while trying to watch. Um, yeah, I didn't I'd realize forgotten, that. I'd forgotten that was the jammer. If I'm well, recalling. he had. He, issue was that he had two jammers in that list there was a jammer in the middle of my army and there was a jammer on top of the hostage i actually had killed the uplink oh, okay because <laughs> i had um, thought that unit in the middle was the uplink unit no i'll have to go back and watch I, at least i i'm remembering it like because i remember asking him because i remember trying to put an order on that unit and he was like hey this unit is jammed and i was oh, like weird <laughs> <laughs> you know, because yeah, right? it was a very important turn where I was like, I need to issue an order to this unit. And and if I recall correctly, he did have two jammer units. Um, he did, he did. But yeah, because the other I, one I was inside that, the arcs, I think. Right. Yeah. So so I had thought that red and white were the jammers, and that white got killed almost immediately by that arc clankers alpha. But I could be mistaken. Yeah, no, I'd I'd have to go and rewatch it, but uh, and maybe maybe we just misread the board and they weren't actually jammed. I don't know, um, yeah. but we definitely like we definitely had decided that they were jammed. I didn't like double check that it was the right unit. I just kind of took his word for it. So, um, but so that's why they didn't get an order that, that turn and then died to that rebel trooper. So, 
So would you, would you have done it any differently? Um, so that's an interesting question. I've been going back over to my head, you know, part of me thinks that maybe I should have just hard pushed out into the center of the board with the entirety of my army and R2 and then decided where to take the army after I like collected my hostage. I think that would have been defensible. Um, my issue was that like, I really, I felt like I could just keep basically his entire army outside of the tons in a corner because, uh, and I know that this is probably hard not seeing the board, but we, there's kind of like a little bit of a fortress on the far end of the board on the table we were playing on. And like my clones pretty much could hem him in completely. And if he wanted to go anywhere, he was going to have to walk into standby zones and Leia and Chewie were back there. And um, I thought it was just kind of a good bet, but looking back on it, I, I do wish I'd, I'd, deployed more centrally the issue is there wasn't a lot of cover in the center of the board um well, even though you would you wish you had deployed more centrally i think you ended up gravitating to that place and that ended up being really strong because like you said they couldn't the, the part of his army that was on the north um eastern side of you from your perspective couldn't walk through you and the part of his army that was on the northwest the, the southwestern side couldn't link up yeah. at any point and so that was actually great for you to sort of just like cast your army towards the center and then he split down the middle and he can't actually connect any of his elements together yeah and because it was disarray i made a there was a there was a several mistakes that i made like my i i put a phase one unit in the far deployment zone kind of out there to just he they were just there to like hedge out r2 and i kind of got a little bit greedy and tried to like move and take an open shot against r2 and then they panicked off the board because i didn't set them up properly like it was just like i wasn't his snipers were like facing the other direction and i thought they would be focused on my army and then he kind of turned them around and surprised me with that um what really got me was the uh he called it the downtown shot with leia uh he hit them with a coordinated bombardment shot that added the second suppression token. Right, and that caused the panic. Yeah. That was that was actually a really good use of Bombard, I felt. The, yeah, I mean he, he was in a tough spot there and he I think he really used that to to kind of leverage his getting out of the position he was in. It's an interesting problem too on disarray for your list, because what do you, what unit do you throw away? Do you throw away the phase one or do you throw away the arc the arc strike? I think oh, the phase one was the right call. Percent of the time, um, yeah. the arc strike's just too valuable. I, I think that there are problems. I mean, all right, I shouldn't say one hundred percent of the time. Th- there are probably situations where it can be the arcs. I actually think that sometimes it's R two, right? Yeah. Like, like it's you know I've got blast off in the list, and I think a lot of times you can put R two in that far deployment zone, and he's just kind of a free scoring unit. But the issue here, but you only can really do that if you're deploying last or close to last, right? Um, right. And when there's three Tauntauns yet to deploy, you can't deploy R2 on its own, um, or you'll just lose them. That's just big, prevailing... yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Zach. I was going to say, you put R2 in that zone and those three Tauntauns, they've yet to go down. That's just <laughs> just Tauntaun bait. Like, they're just going to go yeah. kill R2. Right, like Prevailing um, Wisdom says you stack one zone and then throw a sacrificial unit in the other one and pray that unit lives, generally speaking. But Zyconia went for the even split, which did. I think that was a mistake. Um, it definitely forced me into some hard choices, and it was the reason my hostage unit died. Um, also true. You know, so I, I mean, I'm not sure. 
the the other thing was that like my sacrificial phase one unit should not have died it should have just stayed behind a, a there was a building in that deployment zone that they could have just stayed behind and then they could have ran out and melee r2 when it was time to do the thing which is what they which was what the plan was i just got overly <laughs> anxious and greedy and pulled the trigger early and it kind of bit me in the butt so can we just talk about blasting off onto the top of a building to keep uh the tons from ramming R two three PO at the very last. That was, that was genius. They couldn't actually break the health pool once you were up there with the dodge. Yeah, I mean, on, on turn five, I was just sort of looking at it and I was like, "Well, there's nothing in his army that can do six wounds to R two if he's on top of that building. Like, it just it's literally statistically impossible." And I know he's played both as one pips. I'm just going to play blast off and elevate him on top of terrain, and the game was just over at that point. Um, that's what you got to do yeah i mean games <laughs> we i don't want to get into an archer's tangent but inconspicuous is just silly well it was inconspicuous and a hostile environment yeah it yeah it was it was both yeah. but, but like the fact that i like could elevate r2 and just be like a you can't shoot him and even if you could shoot him you couldn't kill him it was just like it was yeah. way too many obstacles to overcome it just feels horrible but hey you know it's awesome. At the same time, it's nice that R two three PO have such a huge impact on the game. They're not just some, you know, piddly secondary unit that's just there for like window dressing. You know, R two is the hero of Star Wars. I don't care what anybody says. He literally is the guy that saves like the D and D party every movie. So it's only it's only right. Fix the hyperdrive, hack the terminal in Bespin. You name it. Hacks the terminal on Endor. Yeah, like or even. Dude, it all you know you know he stops the trash compactor in new hope you know yeah i mean like he's he's the secret hero of star wars and he deserves his rightful place kyle how's your game go uh (laughs) it was it was fun is uh it was against a you know empire iden gun line uh talked about uh kotick's list last week basically it's you know iden Krennic, a couple of death troopers, a couple of snipers, and some shores. Um, very good at killing things at range. Um, you know, my plan going in was um, to try and avoid a firefight, which I was partially successful. I got kind of clapped on the uh, the tactical strike turn. Um, Dooku took a couple wounds on the tail end of that turn, uh, three wounds actually. Um, on the last two activations of that turn. So I was, um, you know, there's actually a pivotal moment going into, I don't remember whether it was turn three or four, but basically Dooku was la- like at range two of the cover piece that, you know, the line of sight blocker that I've kind of like identified for him. And um, there was also a unit of death troopers basically in between point A and point B. <laughs> and uh, um, the same one that had just done wounds to him on the previous turn. And uh, um yeah, I played Fear, Surprise, Intimidation that turn just for priority. He played um, uh, Deploy the Garrison for the standby. Um, so, yeah, I ended up, which was a good play, you know, prevent Dooku from getting to that spot. Um, I ended up activating uh, the full BX unit instead. You know, the beauty of Separatists is you can play a one pip and then activate basically whatever unit you want if you have your chain set up correctly. Um so I activated the full BX. Uh, they rolled in there against the Death Troopers, and they killed four Death Troopers in one shot. <laughs> um, and that removed like the immediate threat to Dooku, so he was able to uh, 
um, he was able to get into that safe zone and it was on payload basically. And, um, you know, it was set up such that, uh, you know, the two payloads would have to cross paths at that point. So it kind of went downhill from there, you know, Dooku controlled that spot. Um, and, uh, I was able to take it, but yeah, there was, um, there was a pivotal, pivotal moment there where Dooku was, uh, in a bad spot and could quite have possibly died if not for those heroic, uh, commando droids. So, <laughs> um, I don't know if there's like any huge takeaways from that game. Um, you know, my plan going in was to just set up a situation where we were fighting over a spot, like a specific spot, uh, so that I could leverage Dooku's abilities and, you know, not make it just like a war of attrition. Uh, and that's more or less what happened. So, um, yeah, he was very close to killing Dooku, though, before that, before I set that up. Yeah, I mean, as someone that loves watching streams, um, I love when there's, like, that O moment and that, like, BX droid shot was, like, that O moment. Like, those DTs were in a good spot, not just for the standby, but just, just in general. They were in a really good spot to kind of hedge Dooku out, possibly. Um, obviously, Cunning and the one pip, you know, helped you out big time but then those bx just like carved them and it was like wow and it was and that, like those are the moments when you watch a game a game um that are fun to see like those dice pools and doing damage to like high save units and you're like oh well maybe the dts will save big here and they only take a wound or two and then but you know blanks happen and it was just kind of you know I, I like seeing those dice rolls at least it's just how i feel i also realized that i was on mute for like most of Mike's uh, battle rep and <laughs> did not realize that until now. So uh, I pulled a David a little bit there. Um, yeah. So any other, any other invader takeaways? I've gotten a we lot got better. Uh, Mike mute crap, Zach. I've been, I'm so good now. You have, you have gotten much better. <laughs> yes. No more. Um, yeah. No more. So, so when do you, when do you play Stevens, Mike? I'm playing Stevens tomorrow night. Um, which will be tonight when this cast airs. Yes, yes. So tonight um, at seven, I think Eastern. Um, I'm not sure who's going to be streaming it. Um, it is uh, Republic on Republic, but it is not a mirror match. Um, technically, at least. Yeah, it's um, Rex Star versus Arc Star, basically, right? There we go. Uh, you know, so it'll be interesting. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot of red save, you know, save stuff going on. Dave, David's over here rolling his eyes. <laughs> it's like red save surging units. You know? Yeah, I'm just, just, you know, I don't know. I'm not over it by any means, but it's sort of like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I mean, I can, I guess, if I switch factions. There you go. Problem solved. Boom. It's, it's um, going to be a lot of green tokens. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna be a lot of green tokens. That is that you just call that side of your board the green room when you stack all the tokens on all the spent tokens up. <laughs> Didn't you do that during your game? You like stack them all up and we count it was like 21 aims or something like 29. that. 29, 29, 29. And, and that doesn't include the ones I deleted. True, <laughs> true. So it's probably more than 29. Um, I, I, have a, I have a vague memory of a card called Coordinated Fire back in the day i remember when we thought the aim generation from that card was a problem anyway i'm going far afield here it's okay i just i just would like to point out that 
29 aim tokens is really not un that unrealistic considering that assuming that your four units with tactical which are rex and the three arc units trigger tactical once a turn which means they move once a turn you're generating 20 aim tokens over five turns yeah so the lesson here is don't try to outshoot clones ever <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure that's true i think that there are ways to do that i think rebels are very uniquely positioned to do that um okay, yes yeah there's a chance no, i think rebels have the best uh anti-garless right now that exists Probably. i just haven't uh, played it that's, so that's a topic for another show yeah, that's another show yeah um all right well so this was droids 101 with some brief invader tangents you guys got anything to plug before we peace out here Yep, twitch.tv slash yavinbase. Watch VODs from the last week of games, and if you don't catch them when you listen to this episode, they'll probably be on the Yavinbase YouTube channel. And that's all I'm going to plug. Uh, yeah, I, uh, you can check out Dash's TV. Check out fifthtrooper.com. Uh, I threw an article up there about my uh, arc star um, this last week, so check that out. Um, you guys got anything? No, we're not technological sound like you guys, so we don't stream. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think you you guys are a lot busier than than us. I think at this point. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> to be yeah, fair. the dad dad life and uh, closing on a house on Friday. So yeah. <laughs> busy, yeah, busy, busy, busy. Yeah, really it, busy. kids will do that. You know. Yeah. Well, good luck, man. Closing yeah, on a house, big deal. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's close this out. We are the notorious scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. And I'm Zach. See you next week. 